Welcome to the podcast that explains in simple terms the most sophisticated and amusing arguments an ex-college debater turned lawyer has ever stumbled across while debating for admittedly too many years internationally and in the Japan circuit. I'm your host, Joshua Chen, and I believe that whether you're an institutional debater or debate enthusiast, you can find something informative or intriguing here to apply in a future debate tournament or just at the bar or dinner table. And if you did, please share and follow the podcast so you'll be notified of future episodes and to help the podcast reach more listeners. Episode 3 Here we'll be covering the policies the justifications and the outcomes of bailing out big banks or large corporations in times of economic needs and downturns. And we're going to start with the cons, because this idea of bailing out big banks and large corporations has become less and less popular after 2008, after 1990s, and so let's talk about why. So I mainly see two arguments about why we shouldn't be bailing out big banks. The first I've gathered is that bailouts increase riskier business practices, which hurts all the actors involved. To the degree we can understand this, we have to examine the fact business structure takes cues from the government. And when the government acts as a safety net for moments when businesses prioritize profit over sustainability, this results in financial detriment of all the actors tied to these banks. We don't want a repeat of the 2008 financial crisis, which is a perfect illustration of what we don't want to happen and how we can prevent it. The 2008 financial crisis was a situation all starting from banks dealing subprime mortgages, these very poorly rated mortgages, and bundling them together in securities, and then selling these securities to consumers with poor credit ratings. And these banks actually had the nerve to sell these security bundles off to institutional investors with huge portfolios, which essentially meant that banks wouldn't be directly harmed if consumers defaulted on paying these loans. So what essentially occurred was a huge scheme of exploiting consumers and then passing on the risk to others. That literally went unchecked for a decade or two until the defaulting actually happened and everything started falling apart. Who actually was affected? The first person affected were non-institutional investors like you and me. People who contributed to mutual funds managed by professionals in the housing market lost basically all their money. In addition, after banks eventually started going under because all their main sources of revenue began drying up and nobody was taking out mortgages or credit card debt in the form of APR to pay off these mortgages, the banks started losing money. And once banks started going under, lenders and creditors and people who were purchasing these securities also went under, thereby furthering and furthering the financial destruction. So what we essentially want to do is prevent these risky and immoral practices from occurring through not allowing banks to operate under the assumption that the government will always be there to bail them out. And in these kinds of arguments, the more examples that you have and 
the more well illustrated they are, the better, because these kinds of arguments are less theoretical and more rooted in examples. The second reason against bailing out big banks and large corporations is that businesses that get bailed out don't even have to get bailed out. They might not even go under, but rather emerge naturally as more responsible and healthily operated business entities. So in the US, at least, there are two kinds of bankruptcy, right? There is a chapter seven, which is total liquidation, which means that a business has to sell off all their assets to pay off their debt, which means the business has to close. This is the kind of bankruptcy that is, is rare and the one that everyone is afraid of. And also the one that involves laying off employees. On the other hand, there is a chapter 11. This is a more common form of bankruptcy in which businesses don't have to completely shut down, but rather they're forced into austerity because they are required by the court to restructure their cash flow towards mainly paying off the debt and operating on very little profit. And it will take many years for them to come out of bankruptcy. But when they do, they usually come out as more responsible entities and naturally so because they have just spent the past decade or so practicing responsible business strategies. What are the arguments for bailouts? So there are two arguments here as well. First is that, well, bailouts are just the most efficient and quick solution to prop up the economy. Why wait several years at minimum to over a decade at maximum for banks and other corporations to learn from this judgment and implement more responsible practices? You know, every second we wait, someone who lost their job is at the verge of not being able to support themselves and feed their family. We're risking people's livelihoods at the expense of these government's drawn out attempts to discipline irresponsible financial actors. These irrecoverable harms trump all the other harms. In addition, it is also possible that, well, business is inherently just ruled by greed. And as such, there is no guarantee that a business that emerges from bankruptcy by itself won't eventually revert back to its old irresponsible practices. So on the counterfactual, the quicker we accept this fact, the quicker we can build a streamlined process of bailouts to respond as soon as economic dysfunction actually happens. The second argument, which is one of my favorites, that supports bailouts is that bailouts with the right strings attached are very plausible solutions actually to rectifying business practices motivated by greed and misjudgment. What kind of strings are we talking about? For one, we can implement independent bodies to, for example, monitor credit ratings of consumers or to clearly establish and communicate profiles of customers of corporations to these independent bodies and refer any kind of dubious practices to the federal government, something that has actually already been occurring. Another thing is that you know, we can be a little bit more creative, such as decreasing interest payments requirements on these bailouts for banks that demonstrate shifts away from mortgages being their primary source of revenue. This would increase the financial incentive for banks to compete towards safer business practices. 
And finally, we could continue to fire CEOs of investment banks and other big businesses and replace them with publicly elected or more responsible individuals. Just to sum up, when we talk about bailing out big banks and large corporations, the things that are usually found in this debate are specific examples of harm we want to prevent, namely the 2008 financial crisis, specific analysis of institutional investors, your ordinary investors, non-investors, other kinds of people that do business with banks and other general economic actors. And we also have to be careful about modeling out harms because we have to attach the right strings if we are to build a world in which business bailouts are accepted but done correctly. Before you go, this podcast is a labor of love towards a community that has taught me so much, and I would be thrilled if you would share this podcast to others and follow the podcast so you can stay notified of future episodes. Don't forget to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And if you have a topic suggestion or would like to come on an episode as a guest speaker, please message me at joshchen099 at gmail.com or just DM me on Facebook because I know a lot of you listening will have already met me and know me personally. Until next week, friends.